And Ian up in McKinney. This is According to Callus. This is going to be a 5 for Friday, episode 283 on the 14th of October. All right, before we get into it, let me remind you, you want to subscribe, share, comment, and like the show. Get the word out. We are on the cusp of hitting 30K before the week is over, and here we roll. Number one, Alex Jones. Yes. In case you haven't seen it, the guy is going to be fined, for lack of a better word, nearly a billion dollars for words. For words. Many of which are utter garbage, and he wasn't even allowed to defend himself because of some hack judge down in Austin. But nevertheless, you don't like Alex. I get it. I never liked Alex. I didn't listen to his show. I Just not my cup of tea. Don't know the man. Don't care. You know, whatever. But a guy that runs a talk show, no matter if he's a conspiracy nut job or a clairvoyant master of the obvious, I don't know and I don't care, but no way, no how, should he be found guilty in owing Nearly a billion dollars. Now, we know that's not really going to happen. We know that's, you know, all part of the game. As Doug Hagman says, the process is the punishment. Do you really think that these million, multi-million dollar, hundred million dollar, billion dollar judgments actually ever occur and come to fruition? The answer is almost no. They never do. And why is that? Because they're just seeking to destroy you or take you down a peg. Don't believe me? Look at all the crime and the criminals that are plain in front of your eyes that never, ever get prosecuted. Never, ever have to be held accountable for the things they've done. Yet, Joe Biden can demonize 50% of the country and he still gets to pretend to be the president. Alex Jones expresses doubt about people dying and he needs to pay out a billion dollars. You know, they say that the phrase equal justice is redundant and shouldn't be said, but not, you know, I'd like to believe that, but that we don't really have justice equal or otherwise in this country. And shamefully the BLM folks have ruined that forever nobody right a center is going to ever strive for justice at this point because they're going to equate it with a bunch of socialists. Well, that's a mistake. It's a huge mistake. Moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. Go look that up. All right. Number two, abortion protests and the equivalent punishment. This, again, directly ties into what's going on with Alex Jones. There was basically an FBI team sent to arrest a man who videotaped a protest and allegedly violated some kind of federal law. But they deemed him a terrorist and arrested him with a team, threatened indirectly, his family, also that they could have this show of authority, show of power 
Again, the process being the punishment. And he's not the only one. And if you doubt me, go look it up. See if you can find it. It's there. There was at least two figures, one that was a Protestant and one that was a Catholic, recently, within the last couple of weeks, that have been arrested with a massive show of force. Why is that? What are they trying to prove? SCOTUS finally, correctly, determined that the federal government has no authority over whether or not somebody ought to be allowed to kill their baby before it's born. That is a state law issue. And there are the majority of the states that currently don't permit mothers to kill their babies before they're born. And then you've got states like California that go, not only will we allow you to come here and kill your baby, we're going to offer you protections to come here and kill your baby. And while you're at it, if you'd like to bring your minor child here so that they can mutilate their body so they can pretend to be a sex they weren't born as, we'll do that here too. And better yet, we'll put it on taxpayers' account. Gotta love that California. And I'm sure that New York, New Jersey, Illinois, Washington, and Oregon will all follow suit shortly. But you know what? That is the trade-off, right? When you have states' rights, you get to have some crazy states that do some crazy things. And that's the way it's supposed to be. So that when we in Texas go, well, you know what? We're going to actually have a constitutional carry. Not the kind of quasi-fake constitutional carry that they passed this last session. Not the one that says we're going to give you limited access to permitless carry and call it constitutional carry. We're, we're going to appease the quasi-socialists that run the big cities in the police departments and the real socialists that run the big cities in the city governments. We're going to appease them by putting limits onto where you can carry permitlessly and pretend that we're the champions of constitutional carry. Oh, wow. I'm so impressed. But again, this ties back directly to the abortion issue. What do you think would have happened if the FBI showed up with their half a dozen guys to arrest some preacher if he would have known ahead of time and called the sheriff? Do you think the sheriff would have had his back? Do you think the sheriff might have wanted to know what the FBI was doing operating in his county? Do you think maybe there might have been a few deputies that showed up? Now, I don't know what would happen in Collin County, but I can assure you in Dallas County, Bear County, Travis County, and Harris County, not a darn thing would have happened. In fact, the sheriff probably would have led them away. Would, would have been glad to violate those rights that he was sworn on uh, oath to uphold. But that's just pure speculation on my point. Because, you know, this is according to Callis. It is my opinion. And I'm entitled to it. The First Amendment protects it. The Texas Constitution protects it. They recognize that I had a God-given right to speak my mind. And I got to tell you, it's really disturbing when we see another application of unequal justice, another application of abuse of power, and nobody has done anything about it. It, it gives me pause. It, it makes me wonder where are all these anti-establishment people at? Where are all these hippies that had the sit-ins 50 years ago? <laughs> I'll tell you where they're at. They're in the old folks' home laughing at us. That's where they're at. They don't care. They got theirs. 
They're going to spend their children's and grandchildren's inheritance because they don't care. They got theirs. What do you matter? Posterity? Whatever. I got mine. Forget you. Now, the sad fact on the opposite side of that coin is when I go to these political rallies, it's generally people 15 to 20 years older than me. It's generally people that have grandkids and are very concerned about their future. And I ask them, where are your children? That would be people my age. Where are your grandchildren? What are, what's their interest in this matter? Are you getting them involved? Are you educating them? If you're not, you're sowing the seeds of their destruction. Which brings me to number three, children as cannon fodder. Yes, you heard that right. And we're all guilty of it. Now, I understand for the vast majority of the general public, you're going to have to utilize government education at some point. It's just the way it is. They have rigged a system that you really don't have a lot of options if you want to be financially comfortable. Mom and dad are going to have to work. Or dad or mom is going to be really uber successful and basically leave their spouse handling all the stuff at home. And once upon a time, that was the American dream, right? Ward and June Cleaver. Ward goes to work during the day. June stays home, takes care of the house. And Wally and the Beaver come home to a well-kept house. Mom and Pearls vacuuming the floor and dinner's ready. Now, that may have been a dream. That might have been something that a vast portion of our population actually wanted to see. Unfortunately, I got to say, the reality is probably much closer to married with children and the Bundys. The reality is, is that if you try and do it with one salary, it's extremely difficult. And while that show was meant to be a comedy and turn the family uh, sitcom on ahead, there's a reason why it was so successful and it ran for so long. Because it made people uncomfortable and humorous to think that somebody had it worse than them. But again, your children, when you send them off to government school, you're treating them like cannon fodder. You're not cherishing them. You're not respecting them. You're not appreciating the fact that they were given to you by God to raise and bring up as young men and young women to be good citizens, if for lack of a better term, excuse me, citizen. Um, that should disturb you. That, that should be upsetting to you that I'm making this accusation. However, if you look in your heart, and I've had to look in my own heart, you make sacrifices every day for certain things. And if your young children aren't worth that sacrifice, I don't know what to tell you. Now, I had a conversation earlier in the week where I was trying to kind of outline three ways that we could improve the situation almost immediately. So I have enough time. Let me quickly outline them. I won't give a lot of detail, but I'll quickly outline them. One, if it is at all possible for you to pull your children out of government schools, do so immediately. Once you take that money away from the school district, they're going to pay attention. They're going to wonder what's going on. They're going to want to know why you're not putting your little Johnny and little Mary into their school district. Number two, You need to create <laughs> other schools. I, I don't understand it, why you would have a church building 
that largely sits empty Monday through Friday during the day and not have a school there. It would seem to me it would be in every church's best interests to have a school. Now, I know there's a lot of people that aren't churchy. They're not Christians. They don't necessarily want to put those kids in those schools. That's fine. If you want to go all in pagan, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. You can homeschool. You can do unschool. You can do private school. You can do whatever you want. This is just for the bulk of my listeners that I would surmise are Christian conservatives and they want what's best for their children and grandchildren. Every church ought to have a school. And if not their own school, host a co-op or host a, a private school on the grounds. It should be a goal for every church to do that. Now, the Catholic church once upon a time did this. And in many ways, that was as a rebuttal to government education. Because if you look into the founding of government education, it was to mold the little boys and girls that had Catholic families to be good little Protestant worker bees. It was to take them out of the circle of the Catholic influence and bring them in to be basically secularized Americans. Now, we don't talk about that. It's not polite, but that is the basis of it. And now I'm gone off track. My apologies. And number three, we have to create a parallel economy. The reason why we create a parallel economy is because the vast majority of the teachers that would be potentially hurt by step one are going to need jobs. And you may not be able to give them jobs in the private schools, but you could create other vocations that are able to do it. Secondarily, if you're little Johnny and little Mary are not going to the government schools, they're going to need to find work that maybe doesn't go through the natural flow of the public slash government education. We have to be prepared to do that. Now, I got a little pushback on that because I was told it's hard. You don't know how challenging it is. You don't know what the, you know, they'll put you out of business if you have a small business. You're right. You're right. Nothing worth having was ever easy to get. Nothing worth your time has no pain. So if we do those three quick steps, we can affect change instantaneously. And I know there are some of my good friends that are pro-public education. That's what they say. I don't, I, I'm not enthusiastic about government education, but I see the value if it's done right. And what I tell them is, if you rein them in, if you cause pain on that school district, they're going to pay attention. They're going to make changes because they want that money. Money talks, always. But if you create your own competing schools and, oh, by the way, we have businesses that we're starting, we're investing in so that some of you that want to get out of the education business can come work with us, for us. I mean, it's it's not that hard, but if you're semi-retired and you've got that half a million or three quarters of a million dollars sitting in the bank or in other investments, wouldn't it make sense to invest it in a little local business? Wouldn't it make sense to, I don't know, build something up for your posterity? I mean, sure, you can blow it all on, you know, trips and RVs and whatever else. And that's your right. You earn that money. Absolutely. It's yours to do with it what you want. But I would ask you to consider if you have grandchildren, what are they worth to you? All right. I've spent more time on that than I originally planned, but that goes directly with the idea that children are treated like cannon fodder. We need to protect them. All right. Number four, teachers as pawns. Okay. 
Anytime you criticize the school district or government schools, you're immediately accused of hating teachers, not respecting teachers, whatever. Nobody's ever said that. Now, there are bad teachers, just like there's bad cops and bad people in general. But by and large, I want to believe that the majority of teachers go in that with some kind of noble cause, some kind of noble purpose that they want to bring about to better the next generation or the next two generations, depending on how long they teach. And they deserve to be paid for what they do, and they deserve to be treated like professionals. I agree with all of that. But that's not how school districts are set up. As a matter of fact, they, every other year, get the same, and I'm surmising, I'm not there, I don't hear it, but one can only imagine what goes on. You must go support the following candidates because they've promised us X, Y, and Z. And never mind the fact that we don't have a majority in the Texas House of Democrats or in the Texas Senate as Democrats, but we need to send more Democrats there, even though they can't possibly win in the district that we're running in. And we need to disavow and, quite frankly, treat poorly all of the Republican representatives that are actually here and actually have a vested interest in keeping teachers happy. Why? Because you guys are pawns and they know it. They treat you like garbage because they know you're going to follow suit. You're going to obey your master. And I don't know if it's the school district, your superintendent, or your association slash union boss that gets the vast majority of you to march in lockstep and you actually think somebody like Beto is going to help you out, is going to care one whit for you and your friends. I'm here to tell you, it ain't going to happen. Now, you can hate on Republicans and conservatives. I get it. Some of us are tough to deal with from time to time. Some of us have opinions or positions that you're uncomfortable with. But I'm here to tell you, I live in Collin County, and we're one of the more wealthy counties in this state. And there is nobody in this county that I'm aware of that works in the school district that doesn't get paid a good salary for what they do. I ask you, if you went to college and you have zero experience whatsoever and you're going to go get a job that you essentially work nine months out of the year, and you're getting paid $50,000 a year or more with zero experience, how are you getting underpaid? I, I, I don't understand it. But you've been sold that time and time again. You've been told because you can't afford to live in one of the most expensive districts in the state that somehow you're underpaid. I'm sorry. That's not really the way it works. You know, there's a whole lot of people that can't afford to live in many areas because the job or career path they've taken doesn't pay them enough money to do that. I'd love to work in Highland Park because then I could complain about how I can't afford to live in Highland Park. You see how that works? The reality is there are some teachers that are underpaid. There are some teachers that are treated poorly, but almost universally that has nothing to do with the state legislature that has, quite frankly, nothing to do with the rest of the state. It has to do with the situation on the ground in that district or in that county. To think that a teacher working, I don't know, 
in Midland, Odessa, ought to be making the same amount of money as a teacher that's working in Houston. It's kind of a stretch. I'm sorry, it just is. I I don't expect to do the same job in Dallas and get paid the same amount as if I was doing that same job in New York City. I would expect to get paid a whole lot more if I'm working in New York City because I'm that much more valuable in New York City and it's that much more expensive to work in New York City. But there's no guarantees in life. But again, they treat you like pawns. They'll come and tell you what you need to hear, what you want to hear to get you to do the thing that they have to have you do. And they never, ever fix the problem. It goes right back to my underlying answer for almost everything. There's a vested interest in never, ever fixing the problem because if they fix the problem, you realize you don't need them. Wake up. Wake up. Number five, fighting back. It's inevitable, isn't it? Everything I've just laid out, whether it was the Alex Jones nonsense, whether it was the abortion protest nonsense, whether it was the fact that our children are treated like cannon fodder or the teachers that are treated like pawns, eventually you have had enough. Eventually, you want to do something to change it or to fix it. Now, we've seen this periodically from time to time where there's different movements and different groups and they do different do different things. But by and large, they're never really successful. I mean, I think if we were to look back, we could honestly evaluate that the revolution that happened in France really never worked out well for anybody. We can, we can go back to 1917 and say with some level of certainty that that Russian revolution just didn't work out really well. Whether Ukrainian, Polish, or Russian. Belarusian, right? Pick your, pick your brand over there. It didn't turn out real good for any of them. And the same could be said for what happened in the aftermath of World War II as Mao successfully took over China. There's 60 million people that would probably tell you, yeah, that was not such a good idea. Totalitarianism looks the same everywhere you go. It's just branded a little different. Maybe a different language, maybe a different symbol. But totalitarianism has the same net effect. A lot of pain, a lot of suffering, and a lot of death. The the Who sing about Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. They say, well, they won't get fooled again. But the reality is the same people keep calling for the same change, never realizing that they're going to get the same result. I talk about often the fact that I'm a reluctant Republican. I'm a good Republican. Actually, I'm better than most Republicans when it comes to that. I'm a good team player. I stand, you know, I stand firm in my convictions and I try and work within the system. But at a certain point, you just can't go there. At a certain point, you realize that the outcome is never, ever going to be what you want. I mean, we were supposed to get excited about John McCain. We were supposed to get excited about Mitt Romney, 
Come on, really? Really? I mean, George W. at least had a track record and fooled a lot of people so that when he ran, especially the first time, we thought we got a good guy. He was good conservative, but, you know, he had a soft heart. That's what we all thought we were getting. That's not what we got, though. And that was followed up by the big O. How did that work out for us? We wanted that hope and change. I'm really hoping we can change it back at this point. Again, you keep playing with the same dichotomy, expecting a better result, and it's not there. I talked about on Thursday, just having some different options, just having different choices to be made, making the most of the opportunities that you have right in front of you. This is where localism comes into play. This is where getting involved out your back door comes to play. This is where having some influence in your community matters. This is where the churches, if they were to ever grow their spines again, if they were ever to have leadership that did something other than say, sing louder, we might actually get something done. Oh, the leftist churches are good about it. The progressive churches are embracing all the changes and doing their best to jam them down in their normalcy. Meanwhile, the rest of us in regular churches, not even the mainline establishment churches that are already co-opted, but just normal Bible churches, we're wondering, where's our leadership? Where's the desire to stand for Christ? Where's the desire to push back about this encroaching evil upon us? Why aren't we protecting our children? Well, we don't need to worry about those things. The Lord will handle it in his own time. Yeah, sing louder. If you're going to fight back, you have to do it peacefully. You have to do it productively. And quite frankly, you got to be a little preemptive on a couple of things. You got to be paying attention to the events that are currently now and predicting what's going to happen in the future so that we're there to stop it, to push it back. We cannot continually to perpetuate the retreat that conservatives are known for. Which is why I really have a hard time ever considering myself a conservative. I'm a liberty advocate. And sometimes that means I advocate for people to do, for people to have the ability to do stuff that I don't even agree with. Because I find a value in protecting liberty that exceeds my personal preference. I find a value in protecting people's right to be stupid that supersedes my desire that people aren't stupid. You can't educate a populace if you can't set an example. And the only way you can set an example is by doing the right thing when you can do the wrong thing. Let me ask you a question. And this is about as Ron Paulian as I can put it. If they were to legalize all drugs tomorrow, how many of you would run out and start shooting up heroin? Maybe snorting some coke? Mainline some meth? Start popping some fentanyl pills? I mean, how many of you would do it? I'm going to guess nobody. Nobody would do it by choice. Not listening to me, at least. But are we really, really making people's lives better and helping people by tossing them in jail, putting them in prison, give them a felony, and basically preventing them from ever being able to take care of themselves in the future? I think the answer is self-evident. But I think you really need to search your heart and decide what's more important. 
Do you want to stand for liberty? Do you want to push back and protect people's rights? Or do you just want to go along to get along? Well, that's my Friday Five. (laughs) May you kick off your weekend and enjoy it. Make the most of it. Myself, I'm going to a homecoming game. And I'm going to have lots of fun. And I suggest you do the same because guess what? On Monday, we pick up right where we left off. And until then, I'll see you on the other side.